We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? I like men like that. Men who give me pleasure. I've never had feelings like this. I have to get them into some sort of order. If you have to talk, remember to ask lots of work questions if you want more than a yes or no answer. You'll just have an exam. You just take them to the lavatory and you have sex with them. Weird not having anybody come on you. Hey, we're back. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Mary. How are you? I'm good. I miss you. I miss you too. We're making plans to see each other. Just so everyone everyone knows, we're making plans <laughs> to see each other after I come back from my Ibiza next week. Oh my gosh. And you've just come back from Corfu. I know. I'm having a hot girl summer. Yes. Um, which I know is not a cool phrase anymore, Zoomers, but <laughs> I'm 34, so I can say things that are like several years out of date um, <laughs> because it has taken me this long to have a hot girl summer. So I don't begrudge me the using the phrase. Yeah, Listen, I've had two holidays this year. Post-COVID, you do your thing. Like, seriously, I wish I could come with you to Ibiza, actually. I wish you could too. That would be so much fun. I know. So what has been going on? Like, have you watched anything good? We saw some exciting news about that new Army Hammer doc, House of Hammer. Guys, we're going to be giving you an episode. Do not fear. It's happening. (laughs) We're just trying to figure out how to get our free trial on Discovery, whatever, what it's called. Discovery (laughs) Plus. Discovery Plus, yeah. The Discovery Channel. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Like, they're really taking this, like, beast mode seriously. Oh my God. Amazing. Yeah. I didn't think this story would still be going on to be completely honest. Who'd have thought this would be the story with the most longevity out of all the celebrity stories. It's got legs apparently. And he only ever sent some DMs. I know. (laughs) Well, as far as we know, we haven't watched the documentary yet. As far as we know, there may be a body. Do you remember? Um, Yeah. Do you remember that when (laughs) there was that thing about them like finding a body and investigating a serial killer? That was great. That was great fake news. I know. I know. So we'll definitely watch House of Hammer and review it for the pod. So we got you. Yeah. It's going to be a cinematic gem. Um, (laughs) Aside from that, I went to see Nope. um, And I will be interested in knowing what you think about it. Are you planning on seeing it? I am. I am. I just haven't got my act together to go to the cinema yet. But that's definitely one I will see. Hopefully this weekend, actually. It's been a quiet release right yeah it has like usually when a jordan peele film comes out there's a big hoo-ha or at least there was when it was us so yeah i don't know what maybe it's just the fact that it's august which is a weird time to release a film but thank god otherwise there'd be nothing to go and see i know Um, i don't know what what that is but yeah yeah you're right i feel like there's nothing really currently even that i'm anticipating that much apart from speculating about what's going to be in the London Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, no, there is one little gem on my radar, which will be released in September. And that is the Moon Age Daydream documentary about David Bowie. Oh, 
that's amazing I didn't know that was coming so that's exciting did you ever see montage of hack yeah I loved that I know, right? That is so good. So that documentary about Kurt Cobain was made by Brett Morgan, who made Moon Age Daydream. Oh, okay. Then it would be really good. Montage of Heck was so good. It was a tough watch, I I found. It was really, like, emotional. But I also saw it with my ex-boyfriend, who was, like, the worst and Mm -hmm. also kind of a drug addict. So um, it was was a painful watch. Um, It was pretty harrowing. Yeah, it is harrowing. His whole life Mm, is like, but I loved the animation that they did. I I really liked that film. I don't know if I could watch it again because I do find that kind of stuff really harrowing. Yeah. If we ever do like an addiction series, which we have been talking about, that would be really good. But I think I would require like, like an extra session of therapy every week to deal with doing yeah. a series like that like it's my absolute worst trigger in in cinema as I keep saying as we know yeah. we all know yeah. <laughs> no understood for sure it's not an easy thing to represent on film I sometimes think is it easier if it's just fiction than if it's a documentary because even like that Amy documentary mm-hmm. you know Asif Kapadia's film I found that hard, really hard. It is really hard, especially when, like, the person isn't really that long dead. I know. It's like, I don't know, it's a lot. Like, I think when it gets further away, you can, it feels less difficult. But I don't know, that's really still quite recent. It is, yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, so I have very high hopes now for this Bowie one. Well, that's a nice treat for September. I feel like September should, like, the autumn should bring movies, definitely. I'm going to try and see Munege Dream on the IMAX screen because... Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because apparently it's, like, super immersive, like a thrilling cinematic experience. So I, I, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. (laughs) I'm, like, like, the amount that you're going to feel when you watch that film, I'm almost, like, a little bit scared to feel that much. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I think that about music, like documentaries, it's always like, oh my God, I'm about to flip myself into a world of feeling. That's why I don't Mm. use, I don't like listen to music during the day in case like I feel things that are inconvenient. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd have to be really prepared before I watch that film on an IMAX screen. (laughs) I don't know if I would recover. I'm kind of, I'm intrigued by the new Olivia Wilde film. Don't worry, darling. When is that coming out? That's September 2, I think. Ooh. so like that's up that's that's on its way and we should see that together we should I think I'm kind of I, I have no I, I thought book smart was great mm-hmm. and like I think yeah I think it will well I hope it will be good but then it also could be like more of the kind of allegorical horror that I'm tired of yeah. so we'll see I mean, also good cast. yeah good cast also there's drama apparently I've heard on TikTok Ooh, what's the that, drama? like I that um basically that they so when they filmed it kind of seems like Olivia Wilde cheated on Jason Sudeikis <gasps> with Harry Harry Styles that's it Harry Styles I was just like with Harry <laughs> like I, I know who he is which I don't um and um then and so they they're divorced now and he's obviously like such a likable star mm-hmm. um so for that that's the first thing and oh. then it seems that um that apparently like Olivia Wilde's been like posting about it and being like Florence Pugh she's so good in it she's so great in it and Florence Pugh said nothing <gasps> like on Instagram so it's like she's like not posted about it and she's not replied to like her comment like to these comments about how great she is in it so oh, perhaps there's something God. there's some kind of argument or fallout there 
So you need that's to intel. I really want to know what that is. Or maybe she just like, you know, wasn't just deleted Instagram for a few days and didn't see it. But I don't know. I feel like it's your job as an actress to to yeah. engage with that stuff. So maybe they've had like a falling out or she doesn't approve of the affair or I don't know. It's all speculation, which I'm just further fueling. Um, <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, I am inclined to think that there is drama because Florence Pugh is quite active online. She's like, she's a very online person, mm. extremely online. So I would have thought that she'd have like engaged with those comments, like, Especially if it's like for promo, she would have boosted that, right? I think so too. But I mean, I I I've like saw that TikTok like maybe a week ago, and I haven't sort of followed it since. So maybe she has been posting. I don't know. But the, I mean, that whole film is full of drama because originally it was Shia LaBeouf, yeah, and um, Olivia Well fired him <laughs> because she apparently has a no assholes policy. Okay. Um, and I know I've heard Shia LaBeouf can be difficult. And yeah. I think it was before the whole domestic violence thing came out. Right. Oh, yeah, um, sure. And now he's the father to Mia Goth's child, our fave Mia Goth. I know. Your doppelganger. My doppelganger. Your so, identical twin. Exactly. Now I can see what it would look like <laughs> if I'd had a baby with someone who looked like Shia LaBeouf once we see their kid. <laughs> My God, I can't believe those two are still together. They got back together. after all of those allegations wait so the timeline is they were together then he was with twigs Mm -hmm. and then now he's got back together with mia goth yeah i think like like so they got they were seen together like as all of that stuff was coming out okay so that's weird i think but interesting interesting so yeah it's all very it's all a bit dark over in hollywood right now (laughs) Oh my god, you got the best bits of gossip here. I I wish I knew something that I could like relate. I'll think it over. Well, if not, if anything sparks, you let me know. But I don't think it will because we are talking about two very non Hollywood films today. Oh, before we get started, mm-hmm. I have we have thank yous. Carl Murtagh, just your donation, actually, your regular monthly donation came into our PayPal today. And thank you so much. You've just kept up like a regular donation for so long. And it's really, really lovely. Um, And we got another donation from Tom Fowler as well. Thank you very much, Tom. Thank you so much. Truly, it is very appreciated. It is so appreciated, especially in these times. You guys Um, are keeping the lights on. (laughs) You really are. Also, you know what hasn't gone up? Uh, with inflation Mm. Mary Wilde's Patreon (laughs) still very reasonably priced subscribe to it it's the the cheapest entertainment you'll get this winter (laughs) thank you so much (laughs) thank you Sarah actually the last episode that I dropped on Patreon you were name checked quite a lot because I talked with Lauren Hart about Promising Young Woman and Fresh yes I actually really want to listen to this Yeah, I'll send you the audio file. Basically, I ended up like reiterating a lot of the stuff that you said in our podcast review and projections podcast sort of double bill that we did on Promising Young Woman and Violation. Mm -hmm. Violation, I mean, you really talked me over to that film. Now I really appreciate it. But I still had like a lot of unfinished business, I felt, with Promising Young Woman. God, Promising Young Woman was terrible. Yeah. So terrible. And terrible in only a way... Like that something that like half of people like can be terrible. 
you know yeah. like there's something worse about the fact that it that people like it than it's just terrible <laughs> if it was just terrible on its own I'd feel defensive of it but because yeah. it's kind of like fooling all of these people it's even worse. Yeah, I think it is hoodwinking people. And that's mm, what word. I think, that's my real gripe with it, I guess. Well, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on uh, Fresh as well, because mm-hmm. like I remember not being that impressed, mm. but I'm interested in it, if you're, you saying that it's like actually categorically bad. And mm. maybe, yeah, I'm really interested in your, in your thoughts on it. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I came into it fired up to say that it was, that Fresh was objectively also bad. But actually, Lauren convinced me that it has a bit more potential, actually. Okay. Um, but Promising Young Woman, no. Like, that's just, that, that case is closed. The film sucks, you know? Like, there's mm-hmm. no, I will never be convinced otherwise. But yeah, I mean, thematically, very different topic tonight, recording mm-hmm. on softcore. Now, this was a, actually a topic that you selected, and I'm so glad that you did. Oh, I'm so relieved that you're glad because I, I, this is very me. I selected it primarily on aesthetics. Mm. Um, and I, I, Eve, I, as I was selecting it, I was worried that it didn't have any psychoanalytic value or maybe we wouldn't really have very much to talk about. But like, I'd never seen Emmanuel mm-hmm. before. It was my first time watching it. But Paprika is one of my favorite films of all time. And <laughs> I love Tinto Brass. I love like the worlds he creates. Mm. And yeah, so I'm very interested to have the conversation. Yeah, same. I mean, listen, I had seen just bits of Emmanuel here and there. Mm-hmm. I'd never watched it in full, like in one sitting. But I felt that the pairing of it, because I did a double bill, the pairing of it with Paprika was kind of like inspired. And actually, I could see the psychoanalytic significance emerging by comparing them like that. Oh, amazing. So okay. there's a lot to say. Now, before we get into it, before mm-hmm. we actually start synops- synopsizing and stuff, I need to ask you, <laughs> <laughs> what are your feelings about hardcore pornography? Well, I have to say mm-hmm. that I'm not, I don't, it's never really been a big part of my life. Mm. Okay, so as a teenager, I had this like sort of persistent obsession with the idea that all of my, I had like a sort of Truman Show delusion Mm. that all of my friends and family could somehow like watch what I was doing all the time. (laughs) Um, And it made like sexuality pretty difficult, (laughs) which I like (laughs) gradually got over. But I just, I don't really know what it was, but I just wasn't really exposed to it as a teenager. Like I didn't have any friends or like older siblings or friends with older siblings or anything like that. Like, and I didn't really have Mm. any particular like curiosity. Um, And then I suppose, so like, I don't know. And I think sometimes when you're, you kind of, a lot of your sexuality is sort of set around that time. Yeah. And so when I've tried to watch it as an adult, I'm just a little, I don't know. I don't love, I don't kind of love the way it looks and the Mm. way it sounds like I'm quite sensitive Mm. to like those bad noises Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's never really been like a big part of my sexuality because I think I had to like live my sexuality in my head for such a long time yeah that like I've just kind of built like a much a much better world in there than can ever be seen on screen um Mm. but it was very nice to find these softcore films like I really love kind of softcore directors like Tinto Brass like uh Valerian Borovich yes um like just Jakin or just Jackin as you call him (laughs) 
um i really love this like era so much it's like it's absolutely perfect balance of sex and aesthetics so Ah. yeah much more into softcore that's so interesting Mm -hmm. how about you love hearing that yeah yeah so i would say i have a very different perspective Mm -hmm. um in that i guess because i had a very sheltered upbringing you know living in a very strict household And so I didn't really have a chance to develop my sexuality in a normal, you know, way. Well, what is normal anyway? But yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I I love joking and saying that I was one. I'm like one of the Fritz. What is that guy's name? Joseph Fritzel. Yeah. I love I love joking that I'm one of the Joseph Fritzl survivors. But my point is that I was extremely sheltered. I basically l- grew up in what was practically like a bunker, you know? Right. Okay. The only liberty I had was going to school. So as a result, you know, coming of age in a time with the internet as well, that was a recipe for just like getting into porn. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. And you I guess know? like your parents wouldn't have been really totally sure what you were doing on the internet because it wasn't part of their world. No, exactly. So, yeah, I, I can totally see. As far as they're concerned, I was doing homework. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, I kind of was, you know, and I was very studious about it. And so I quickly discovered what I liked and what I didn't like. And you know what? I'm a cinephile. Like, I love all movies. They do. Like, that's so true. I think that maybe I'm just like a little bit overwhelmed in the same way that I like just canceled my Netflix subscription because I have like Mm. streaming fatigue and I want to just like feel, I'm basically trying to like reignite, you know, like in long-term relationships where you have to like bring the spark (laughs) back. At the moment, I'm trying to like bring my watching spark back. Like I want to just Mm. feel desire to watch something and then I want to pursue that one thing I want to watch and I want to mm. like pay for it or illegally download it or find it screening somewhere. And I just want to watch it. Mm-hmm. Like, so maybe like I have that for porn because there's so much. Sure. And it's so hard to find what you like. Or like you have to really, really, you have to spend a while, I think, finding what you like. I remember yeah. once finding something that I liked like 15 years ago or like a long time ago. And mm. I did, did I bookmark it? No. Because I thought, <laughs> you know, there's like loads out there and I could like just describe it in the search engine yeah. never found it again <laughs> like, and I think oh, that yeah. time. <laughs> listen there's a whole meme about a guy looking pretty despondent on the Pornhub site but all you see is like the little numbers at the bottom and he's like on page number 216 <laughs> and he looks like he's like lost the will to live like I've been there it's, oh. it's- it's, it's tragic. It's, it's heartbreaking when you know you love something and then you just forget to bookmark. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, like, I ended up, the way that I was consuming this stuff was I had to be very economical with my time. I didn't have the luxury to sit around, you know, browsing, you know, lackadaisically. Yeah. yeah. I, had to, I had to be very precise. So I, I, I was watching with the intent of, what is what are my tastes? How do I quickly access these things? I've only got like this window of time, you know. I can't, mm-hmm. I, can't I can't just be surfing the net. 
I have to go to my go-to stuff. So it's got to be quality stuff in there. And so I got to know like production companies. Wow. Oh yeah. You know, I've got like a top 10 porn star list. (laughs) This is amazing. You could be, maybe you should, (laughs) like, I'm actually really curious about this now. Maybe you, you could curate me a watch list. Ooh. or something like maybe you could change my mind about hardcore challenge accepted Yay! <laughs> oh my god this is gonna be so much fun Amazing. I mean I got loads of favorite stars but probably my not my number one my absolute number one a goddess who taught me everything I know <laughs> is flower tucci Oh my God, what a name. I know. What a name. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correctly because I've heard it pronounced Tushi and also Tucci. But this woman, to me, is, yeah, she's she's kind of sexually perfect. I love everything about her. She's She's so embodied. She's funny. She has got great lines. And she is, you know, DTF. She'll do anything. <laughs> she's, she's just like so watchable. And do yeah. you think she's any relation to Stanley Tucci? <laughs> I mean, that's why that's why I pronounce her surname like that because that's how it's written. <laughs> um, it is it is a stage name. Um, oh, okay, that's a shame. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I know. It's a total shame. Yeah, it would have been cool if they were from the same. Act, I like, think actor so too. Family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know what a talented family. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the thing is, I started watching her in the early two thousands. I don't think she's working anymore. But back in the day, you know, the stuff that I still find from her is like. You know, it's got the fashion from that time and the hairstyles and the makeup and stuff. Cute. So it's very cute, but it's just that what she brings to the table is sort of unmatched, in my opinion. It's very to my taste. But apart from her, I like like the new people coming out. I love Chloe Cherry. Oh, yeah. Gorgeous. I know. She's amazing. I like Amanda White, an Aussie this. girl who okay. actually produces films now. Yeah, I think girls have a lot more power in the porn industry than they used to. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she's now making her own films and like gathering her own cast and stuff. So, she, But she also still performs. She's pretty hot as well. I'm more drawn to the women performers, to be honest. I feel like they're more interesting. Well, they're like also, I mean, they are much more important. Yeah. And they're like who you kind of project yourself into as well to a certain extent. Yeah, like, totally. Yeah, yeah. I could totally see why men are kind of not as important <laughs> in porn. I also read one thing or like heard something that said mm. that women especially are like have th- what they are attracted to on like a mental level doesn't like match up with their arousal levels at all. Mm-hmm. So like they can't really like they're much like less likely to kind of identify what they find arousing. I remember watching some this like a probably like a Channel 4 thing in the 90s or like the early 2000s where they were showing this woman like straight porn and like gay porn and lesbian porn and she was like watching like the gay porn being like no it's disgusting and like they were just like it's exactly you're like producing just as many like as much vaginal fluids and like you're just as aroused <laughs> and then they showed her like animals having sex and it was the same <laughs> like it just like it didn't matter like 
<laughs> that's funny but i think like we i think yeah i think i guess probably like our super ego and all of that kind of stuff like edits out what we think that we're sort of attracted to mm-hmm. um and like yeah and our bodies don't lie as much or wow. like not they don't lie but like they're just like we're much more capable of being attracted to much more than we think basically yeah that that actually brings me a lot of hope that the kind of conflicting messages in society haven't actually fully corrupted our bodies no like, not at all not maybe at all. we we psych ourselves out mentally but actually the body is pretty like nah fuck it this is what i like this is what i don't like you know exactly. like exactly it's yeah. just more clear cut. <laughs> or like more, more likely our bodies are like, I like everything. That's so interesting. I think it is super interesting, actually. Yeah. If you kind of take like judgment and fear out of the equation, yeah. it's super interesting. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, listen, I will definitely send you my my playlist. Okay, amazing. Only, I'm looking forward you- to being converted. Only if you promise me that you'll still be my friend after you see the stuff that I get off to. Oh my God, I made the mistake of taking a sip of water as you said that. I almost like spat it out at the microphone. Yes, I'll still be your friend. No judgments. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And listen, if if someone listening right now feels the itch to know what I'm going to send Sarah, you can make a really fat donation. (laughs) And I'll send you the list. How much? How much for the list? It's got. It, we got to make it worthwhile. It can't just it be like twenty quid. A hundred? Yeah, a hundred. A hundred for the list for bespoke porn curation and bespoke porn playlist. <laughs> That's really good for a hundred. Yeah. you're getting you're getting good stuff. Yeah. No, I, I am saving a lot of time for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, what should we start with? For softcore, um, I feel Emmanuel yes, to start with. That. Yeah, this perfect. is the order that you watch them, and I and I watch them as well, actually. So Emmanuel, directed by Just Jakin or Just Jackin, Mary calls him, <laughs> released on my birthday in 1974. <gasps> oh my god! 15th of November. Emmanuel is a Scorpio. Emmanuel is a Scorpio. That's very fitting. I think so too. Do we know mm-hmm. the director's star signs? Yes. So just Jackin <laughs> is a Leo. Ooh, it's his season. Well, no, it's just about to be Virgo season, yeah. but like we're on the cusp right now. We're on the cusp. We're on the cusp. Yeah. Well, when we release, it'll be Virgo season, but still, that's cool because Leo's famously good in bed. Exactly. Uh, the Zodiac newsletter was films about sex this this uh, <gasps> month. Oh my god, yeah. that is amazing! So it's all getting steamy in this Leo season. Um, okay, so newly married Emmanuel travels to Bangkok to live with her diplomat husband. While Emmanuel is content to be faithful, both her husband and his crowd of friends encourage her to take other lovers, leading her on a voyage of sexual discovery. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> and the name of the actress who plays Emmanuel, it's Sylvia Cristal. Yeah. And then she's a pretty tragic figure, isn't she? She is a tragic figure. Like, she's actually one of many kind of tragic figures mm. in this kind of film. Because did um, Just Jakin do Story of O as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. And she's kind of a tragic figure as well. 
There's also like one which is the sequel to Story of O by Shuji Teriyama called mm-hmm. Fruits of Passion. And it's based on the sequel to Story of O. And oh. it's the most visually beautiful film and oh, really? the worst film. It's such a shame because it's bonkers gorgeous. Like, it's amazing. I think he just did it for the money because he's kind of like an oh. avant-garde filmmaker. Uh-huh. But it's, and it's about like, a, and it's also, I think, set in Bangkok. I feel like a lot of these I don't know why like or some I can't remember exactly where it's set but it's set somewhere like that and it's got like a woman brought there by her sort of she's in this sort of sadomasochistic relationship and she's just like put in a brothel and like humiliated oh my god and she just looks she's like really pretty and really sad and there's this amazing scene where she like she one of her customers is this like old this old guy and he's and he puts her in this like contraption which is like a bird rocking horse kind of and then he like shags her in this bird rocking horse and makes her like flap her arms like wings (laughs) and she's just like flapping her arms and looking super sad while this old guy is having sex with her in the bird rocking horse i'll send you a picture it's the most bonkers thing i've ever seen but it's like it's so gorgeous but it's just it's completely incomprehensible and the man is klaus kinski so yeah and so i feel like there's a little bit of a kind of thing about some of yeah. these films being like about these women that are kind of tragic and they're mm-hmm. kind of like stomped down by men. I don't, I don't know. It's a bit, and I think Emmanuel is kind of one of them, or well, not just yeah. men, but just like society in general. Yeah. So yeah, like I think a lot of those sort of seventies softcore films, which mm. I guess all must have come through some kind of like permissive laws or the end of the Hayes code or like you know I know they're all like European films but sort of some kind of there must have been some kind of permissive filmmaking and then loads of like um I guess maybe there were lots of cinemas where you could go and watch dirty movies mm-hmm. in the 70s so and like I probably Karina Longworth talked about this a little bit in her erotic films mm-hmm. thing but there was like a little bit of a fashion for making like softcore porn films that were also kind of art films around yes. this time so they're all sort of a wave of those. And I think, okay. yeah, they're all a little bit sad. <laughs> like, That's either, so interesting. Either they're sad, like, at the time, like, in the film, or they're sad when you kind of find out what the women went through when they made the film, like, with Deep Throat. So, right. yeah. And then if not, just generally, there's something a little bit melancholic about the atmosphere of the film. Yeah. And it's really strange. Like, is that some kind of, like, sort of moral like Mm -hmm. price to pay or something that the directors (laughs) felt they had to have where like the women in that had lots of sex but like didn't really like enjoy any of it or like was kind of sad and I don't really know but it's strange it's a strange thing I thought Emmanuel would be more joyful up to this point I hadn't actually seen the whole thing all the way through I'd seen little bits and pieces you know I was also a little bit surprised about the sadness in it which I wasn't expecting I know that the film pushed a lot of boundaries on what's kind of acceptable on the screen yeah you know there's like skinny dipping I'm reading from the Wikipedia page right now masturbation (laughs) the mile high club 
I know. I was so surprised when I saw that bit on the on the plane. That, yeah. Like she has sex with two guys on the plane, but the first guy she doesn't even go to the bathroom. She just has <laughs> sex like right there on the seat. I was like. Is that what the Mile High Club is? Like, like, I've been getting the Mile High Club wrong. I didn't. Is that what it is? Is that like? Is and also is that the invention of the Mile High Club? I think there is an earlier reference to the concept. Oh yeah, when the guys are kind of getting their massages and they're talking about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it actually almost was was something that got normalized pretty much as soon as they invented planes. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, you know, there's obviously a lot of taboo breaking on the screen. So mm-hmm. you would think that this movie, Emmanuel, is going to be like, you know, just this full libidinous beast, really. But actually, it didn't really get my mojo going. Same. Like, I think it, at one point, I think that I thought that it was going to be something it wasn't because, uh-huh. you know, she sort of falls in love with that woman, uh-huh. B, I yeah. think. And, you know, and then she comes and she gets her feelings hurt. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I really like this as like an erotic film where yeah. it's kind of okay. Like, it's like she's sort of still, like she's having all of, she's obviously like really enjoys sex and she's having all these sexual discoveries, but she still like demonstrates, you, it demonstrates that you can still get your feelings hurt no matter how, li- no matter how liberated you are. But then like directly after that, everyone notices that that's happened and they all kind of collude in getting her to the point where she doesn't have feelings. Yeah. Like, and it's really nihilistic kind of what happens to her in the end. Like, it's kind so of true. like she's taught by the community to like push all of that down inside her and to not feel it anymore. And like, yeah. and it's sort of like, and it's really interesting because at that time where she's with that woman, her husband starts to get jealous. Her husband who's been encouraging her and encouraging her. And there's like a really interesting observation where mm. the friend says to him, you know, you thought you were trying to encourage her to be free, but like actually you were trying to get her out of the way so you could be free. Yeah, that was so true. And that's like, it's a really great observation. I thought, you know, there was a lot of kind of truth in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, but yeah, like it's kind of, they noticed that she, like they basically kind of, I think they, she kind of presents like a problem for them in having these mm-hmm. sort of being quite emotional and quite sort of, innocent and child like just quite free with her feelings and it like doesn't work for them it doesn't like work for the, this community of like swingers and so yeah. they like they all kind of get together and like collude for her to be like raped into submission basically in the end um, yeah and it's kind of racist <laughs> like, oh yeah it is totally racist i mean like, uh, I don't want to re- yeah. really degrade her if she has sex with these Asian men. <laughs> like, you know? Like, come on, they're really handsome. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's, yeah, it was a bit, like, I don't know what it's saying apart from, yeah. Like, on the surface of it, you think that they're these, like, untamed libertines, you know, following the whim of their carnal desires. But actually, the whole thing was very kind of tedious in the sense that they were trying to civilize her out of her emotions. Like, she was the real untamed one. She yeah. was emotionally, like, free and emotionally available and super open. Mm-hmm. And that's the bit that they were actually trying to, like, control and coerce her out of. 
So you could say that in terms of the real erotic agency or the erotic register of the film, like she demanded more. Mm-hmm. And they were actually pretty closed off. They were the ones who were not very open-minded. Ain't it always the way? I know. I know. Tell me about it. All mouth and no trousers, my mother would say. <laughs> <laughs> such a good That's phrase. funny. <laughs> that really applies here. Yeah, it really does. I don't really <laughs> understand the phrase, but it seems to really make sense in this scenario. In this context, it's like absolutely spot on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're really right about that. I mean... Yeah, it, it's it's very weird to see, um, especially that guy. What was his name? Mario. It the whole film is set up as if like Emmanuel is going on this sexual odyssey, this X-rated journey of self-discovery, and all roads lead to Mario. Yeah, <laughs> he's this sexual guru who will open her eyes, you know. And actually, like, what a damn squib! He's a fucking soft boy. Yes, like, he is. He just like like does all these like nonsensical lectures about eroticism that don't even make sense. Like I stopped <laughs> listening because they were so just someone just hot air. Oh my god, he's awful. Like it's so like such a downer. I mean, it's also a pretty homophobic film as well because she like keeps having sex with women and they're like, stop being childish, stop this, yeah. stop this schoolgirl nonsense. <laughs> it's like she's clearly, clearly gay. Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> She really likes women. Like, like let her live. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Like, they, they're, exactly. They're always trying to talk it out of her. And even Mario, on a night that's supposed to be like this sexually liberated, wanton, erotic night, he's like lecturing her about, oh, you can find revenge in other arms. And it's like, but Why? Yeah. Like, they clearly have a connection. You just have a problem with, you know, her sexual orientation. And it's, like, a threat to you somehow. Basically, it's, like, the whole film is, like, it's kind of a conversion camp film. Like, she's taken to Bangkok and, like, <laughs> they, like she keeps, like, escaping to be with women. And they just, like, eventually convert her against her will through violence. Yeah. It's yeah, dark. like oh my god you're so right Emmanuel is actually like conversion therapy it is it is it's like but I'm a cheerleader but like from with like bamboo chairs yeah (laughs) (laughs) which are really chic yes very I do have have to say say, I love her clothes I love her clothes I love her interior decor taste yeah like I love the I love the visual world of Emmanuel very much and actually I found the opening scene where she's like in her apartment with her she's like a nude mm. photographer and it never goes back to the fact that I remember I when it started and she's like looking at the nudes that she's taken of women <laughs> like yeah it's such a film about a girl who's a lesbian I can't believe her um and she's like and I was like oh she's an artist like you know that's really going to fit in with all the other films we've been talking about jouissance female creativity not once does she take a picture of anyone oh my god it's like because I guess her like photographs are just more evidence of her lesbian proclivities. Yeah, yeah because it's her creative her. work which has been eroticized exactly. and her creative work is informed by her sexual desire yeah. as it always is. Oh my god, justice for oh Emmanuel. I can't believe all the people whacking off at this like 
at this story of a girl being forced to be straight. That's so sad. Shame on you, <laughs> everyone. Monsters. <laughs> you boomers. You have no idea what you've done to Emmanuel. I can't believe it. It is, it's like a very actually, like there's a huge amount of male, like male anxiety about what women might get up to. Yeah. Like, and all of the lesbians in it have to be like punished in, in, the, in the film. Like, yeah. Gosh, this is such an interesting. Oh my God, you've completely blown my mind. Yeah. Like, oh my God. I, we, I wish we could go back in time and rescue Emmanuel so she can just yes. be. Oh, she would have such lovely timing, a lesbian in 70s Paris as well. Like, I know. Oh, poor Emmanuel. Well, there are like twenty other films, so maybe she, you know, maybe she's fine. It's <laughs> so funny. I've never seen an Emmanuel sequel, but there is this cool bar in Soho, mm-hmm. um, underneath um, like a tapas restaurant. If you could, like, I'll take you there. We'll go. Okay. Um, I'm not even going to say the name because I don't want anyone else to know our spot. <laughs> it's underneath this restaurant. And if you go in and you ask if the bar's open, you get to go downstairs. Mm-hmm. And they have these bars, these little booths behind curtains and a TV screen in the wall. And the TV screen plays 70s porn. <gasps> wow. And you can select and you can select from like four Emmanuel films. No way. Yeah. It's really cool. I haven't been there since pre-COVID. So hopefully it's still there, but it's really cool. I so want to go. We will go. We will go. Let's go for our birthday. Yeah. Yay. Oh my God. Can't wait. The autumn is shaping up to be very cool. Oh, the autumn is the best season. It really is. Like it I truly have, is. You know, I've done okay in summer, but I'm still getting the summer blues that I get and I'll feel better when it's autumn. I'm ready for the summer to be over. I'm ready for layers of clothes. I <laughs> am, you know, I'm, I'm ready for Halloween. I'm ready for our birthdays. Yeah. So bring it on. Definitely. But honestly, I am completely like overwhelmed by your interpretation of Emmanuel. You fucking nailed it. I think I did. I think I did. Like that's, that's what's what going it is. On. Yeah. That's what's going on. Oh my god! One other thing I wanted to say about the movie. Mm-hmm. Actually, tomorrow I'm having my hair cut and I'm going for a mullet, <gasps> like a proper mullet. So exciting! I'm so excited, and I'm also filled with dread because if it doesn't go well like if if the final result is not what I want I might just pull out a picture of Emmanuel's haircut and say just do this <laughs> oh my god I love her haircut so much I know it's really chic it is very chic actually someone once said I looked like Chris, uh, Sylvia Crystal you do you really do yeah it was a nice compliment was I was cheese. even saying that to Paul, actually, when, when we were watching it together. I'm like, doesn't she look like Sarah? And he's like, yeah, I can see it. She's in the same face range as me and Mia. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, she's she's very you. That's good. So, let's, so we'll see what Marcelo does for me on Tuesday. <laughs> you mean Mario? <laughs> oh, God. With the sexual Socrates. Yeah. My God. Okay, so let's move on to actually a much more libidinal, like much more joyous softcore porn film, Paprika. So joyous. So Paprika, 1991, Tinto Brass, who I think is one of my favorite people. Have you ever Google image searched Tinto Brass? No. The official sort of like whenever he's like has to make an appearance somewhere, he mm. always does it with like a porn star and like all of, so all of the pictures are Tinto Brass with a fat cigar, like grabbing a tit or an ass. 
<laughs> all of them all of them like and it's oh just oh my god which is actually just like full of that I'm gonna post some on the Instagram because they're just so funny to me I love them so much and like I'm actually gonna speak this out into the universe I love Tinto mm. Brass so much and I would really like to interview him like or be able to do yes. something or write something and I would like to do it in person and I would like to go to Italy and after the interview I would like to be one of the girls in one of those photographs like I would like to be like would you mind if we did a picture and you grab my ass oh my god like that's my dream like and I've never said that out loud before but that's actually my biggest dream <laughs> make so it fast. happen grab my ass please <laughs> Make it happen. Make a shocked face. I am now doing that Google image search. I am seeing what you mean. This man is living life. He really is. He's such a genius. Like, and I really want to delve more into his catalog. Like, because he started out as kind of just an like an, a sort of an art film avant garde filmmaker, kind of like mm-hmm. Barovich, and mm. then he moved into softcore porn where he is a oh. legend. And like, I think it's a shame that more people haven't seen this film because they don't consider softcore pornography cinema because it's the most cinematic, beautiful film. And it's also one of the most uplifting films I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, I really have to thank you for introducing me to this film, Paprika, because I'd never seen it before. I'd never seen a Tinto Brass movie before. And what a revelation. I am completely like in awe of this man's vision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's having a great time, and I had so much fun watching this. It was wonderful. Oh, I'm so glad you like it. Like, it's been a while since I've introduced you to a new film, I think. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm so glad that you liked it because it's one of my absolute favorite films. I think about it all the time. I just, I, re- oh, it's just so beautiful. It's so good, and it was such a pleasure really watching is. it again. And I just, yeah, I just wanted the universe to know that that I'm like available to write stuff about Tinto Brass. That I would be happy to do the Blu-ray essays. That I want to <gasps> meet him. That I want to be photographed with him. That I want to do a book. I don't care. Like I just love Tinto Brass so much. Number one Tinto Brass super fan. And I think most of the people that have written stuff about Tinto Brass are men. So mm. I think that I would have a new perspective. So, oh my yeah. god, your perspective is desperately needed. I think it because really I, is. and I think yours is the one that he would fall in love with. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Like, <laughs> this is gonna happen. I hope so. Maybe like I mean, I know it sounds like he has like a really lovely wife who's been caring for him because he's been quite unwell. Mm-hmm. Um as he can you know, he's very old. So yeah. um, but like if he didn't, then I would hope that even that he fell in love with me and we got married. <laughs> Oh and then God. I inherit the Tinto Brass estate. <laughs> I think he would want it to be in the hands of, of someone like you, Sarah. I think because, so too. Like, yeah, well, for I, sure. Well, I don't have in tits, I make up for an ass. <laughs> <laughs> I can vouch for that. I can vouch for that. Okay. Oh my gosh, okay. All right, Paprika, a young country girl, gets a job in a brothel intending to work for a short time to make money for her fiancé to start a business. When he Mm -hmm. betrays her, she embarks on a self-sufficient life of prostitution with ups and downs, meeting a cast of colourful characters in the process. Mm, Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Tinto Brass, I'm sure you already know, but I've just discovered that he's an Aries. Of course. Of course he is. (laughs) Like... Duh, obviously. And the lovely lady in the movie, Deborah Caprioglio, she is a Taurus. 
Oh, really? Which makes sense too. Very I, sensual. I don't know if she's in loads of other stuff, but mm. like she should be because she's an amazing actress. She's so she vibrant. Really I like she's so good in this. I just think she's amazing. Oh, she is so delightful in this. What a body. <laughs> oh, what a body and her hair. And like I just love I love like the um like set design and the costume design and all of this stuff like it's just so incredible like I want to talk to the yeah. whole team about who came up with this this incredible like vision it's so beautiful I love it, it when really like, she has like a blonde wig towards the end like and she's dressed entirely oh, yeah. in white uh, like and she yeah I don't know she goes through all these kind of transformations so at the beginning of the film she's this kind of like girl in like a sundress like with like frizzy uh-huh. hair and then as it goes on she gets all these like amazing looks like in all of the different brothels like oh, I, love oh, it. I love it i so mean much. that whole period is one of my faves like late 80s early 90s for Same. fashion and makeup especially when they were doing like throwbacks to vintage eras yes like the 90s version of whenever this was before they like before they closed the brothels so i guess like uh late 50s yeah um, actually, coincidentally, I watched um, Love Meetings by Pasolini, which oh, yeah. is this great film where Pasolini travels around Italy interviewing citizens about their attitudes to sex. Oh, like, okay. It's really cool. And that was just after they closed the brothels that that was filmed. Ah, oh, right. So, like, I was, it was interesting watching this film and being like, hang on a sec, I know about that from that Pasolini documentary, <laughs> like, which is also really good. I was, It was like, it's totally worth a watch. I recommend that. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I love it when I love that kind of like nineties vintage throwback of that everyone was really into at the time. Oh my God. It's just so beautiful. It's a real feast for the eyes. It really is something about the colors of eighties and nineties cinema. Like I really feel that I've been reading this, like we're really losing colors from digital cinema. Yeah, and I don't know. There's something it just it, it doesn't have the same kind of aura. No, as it doesn't. Used to, and I don't know. Hope I don't know. Like as we kind of strive for like being able to see more and more in more crisp detail, I think the magic of cinema kind of fades. Yes, I know. It's so sad to think about. You're right. Like that beautiful, vital spirit of the cinema through the texture, also of the film. Yeah, the vividness of it. Apparently they've done experiments on like what happens to you chemically when you watch film as opposed to what happens <gasps> when you watch digital. Oh I'm God. sure I read this. What was I reading? I like I've got all these like weird I've got all these fun facts this episode of like what's yeah. going on. Like, I've got all this information in my head. But I'll try and find out. Maybe it was in this film book that I'm reading currently. But uh-huh. it wouldn't surprise me. Like that, you know, no. film has an actual different effect on you, on your like psyche if you know than than the digital image. It's like it's different basically it, it just is yeah yeah oh it's extraordinary i'm just as as you're talking i'm just like glancing at still images from the film and it is all just so ravishing yeah it's so beautiful and like such an idealized i portrayal of brothels yeah as well like, i know brothels aren't really like that they're like full of like you know eastern european teenagers that are being like blackmailed and extorted yeah. and drugged um but if they were my god like and they couldn't I think that's the thing it's like it's such a like jouissance feminist view of a brothel 
mm-hmm. like you know it's just like this wonderful place where that it totally could be if like capitalism and greed yeah. and like you know like bad things didn't get in the way well if only you know the society could just adjust itself a little bit outside of the phallocentric order you know if our desire as women got a look in then maybe we would have brothels like that and then I would be in an entirely different line of work you're totally right like I think those brothels they're so special because they're such they're like such feminine coded spaces Mm -hmm. like they're so because they're so beautiful they're so aesthetically pleasing they're so like Mm. all of the women are like dressed up in like costume like it's so incredible they've all got like personalities and like parts to play and it's like a real kind of fantasy space but it's like it's very feminine and like I don't know if I don't playful and playful like it's so lovely and like I don't know, all of this, the nice little touches, like the little like ring once for this system, ring twice <laughs> for this, like the bidet where they wash, like yeah. I just the tokens, like the little handbags, everything about it is so cool. I, my favorite is the scene where, like I love the way that the women will walk around in a circle, like and they oh, yeah. were like taken out of the circle by the clients, and there's that scene where she's like walking around the circle. And as soon as she joins the circle, she gets taken upstairs again, and like she's like <laughs> staggering around the circle by the end of it because she's so tired. Yeah. Oh, it's so gorgeous. It is. It really is. It's such a fun watch. And now, like, I feel like you've really inducted me into the world of a whole new director that I can discover and explore and it's exciting yay I'm so glad yeah he's just wonderful like so wonderful you're saying this is your favorite by him yes I think just like the character is so special Mm -hmm. um it's um it it's oh my god I've forgotten what the book is Fanny Hill ah yeah um which is like an anonymous book that came out in the like 18th century detailing the life of a prostitute so it's exactly it's really a similar story and it's been adapted loads of times there's been I think there's maybe even like a BBC adaptation and it's the Mm. same thing like a girl's like taken to a brothel and like the first experience she has is like a lesbian one with one of her and I think it's like she's kind of tricked into a brothel but like she just kind of carries on in this like kind of being sold into sex like but I don't know she always she like comes out on top basically so it's like kind of I think the the book isn't quite as cheerful as this this kind of takes that like idea of like prostitute who does well in the end and just like makes her this like incredible figure of she's just so like unpsychologically troubled yeah like and I love that I love that there's like really dark moments in the film yeah like she like her uncle comes and starts like blackmailing her for sex and like you know like someone gets beaten up by their pimp and someone else dies and all of these horrible things happen and she like obviously kind of takes it as a tragedy but she never like seems to take it on board as something that's like innately flawed about her like she's it's like water off a duck's back she just has this like sense of self that is unaffected by trauma and it's so (sighs) it's so incredible to see I would probably put this on my list of breakup films if you're going through a painful breakup I would say watch Paprika because like and like look at how the character will like address tragedy like it's tragedy but not like it's something that's wrong with her not internalize that she doesn't internalize it in fact like the um 
like the there's, there was a synopsis on like Wikipedia or IMDb that was like, mm-hmm. you know, she loses her confidence and her self-respect, but eventually, and I'm just like, no, she doesn't at no. any point lose her confidence and self-respect. That like, is completely inaccurate. It's totally inaccurate. It's like someone who didn't watch the film or like yeah. it's someone who's a fan of Emmanuel and thinks that's already Yeah, really exactly. It's someone who is actually projecting their own guilt onto this lovely girl exactly but she just like she never she uh, yeah she just basically has this extraordinary sense of self that isn't like affected by other people Mm -hmm. like and you know she gets you know betrayed by her fiance she like you know she gets like her money taken away she gets all of these bad things happen to her and she just kind of keeps on and she like has this lovely time yeah yeah and in the end you know fortune favors the bold like she's being bold and she recovers totally like at every level and her resources are replenished and rightly so Mm -hmm. and I think the best thing about what she does in the end is she has this kind of she has this like guy that she's sort of in love with and he's her first Mm. client and he makes her come I love that when she makes a cover, she reads and, and, and the and the madam comes in. She's like, "I messed up. I came." Like, and then and then the madam is like, "You're going to get consumption if you carry on like that." I'm like, "What is that? What they really thought?" Um, yeah, which is really interesting. But um, yeah, like so, you know, she meets him at various stages, and he's a sailor, and he loves the sea. And yeah. instead of trying to like keep make him into like a count or whatever she is is she like a countess mm. or like she's a, a countess yeah um she basically just buys him a big boat and like sets yeah. him free and he like you know and like she doesn't try and hold on to him they no. like get married but she just like she just she knows so much about desire that she's like yeah i'm gonna marry this guy who really just wants to be on a boat all the time <laughs> like i love that about her that she's yeah, doesn't try to hold beautiful. on to anything that's beautifully put That's really nice. That's actually, you know, a sign of someone who's erotically extremely mature. Yes, she is. She's so mature. Like, she's sort of wise beyond her years. She's sort of, she is actually the sexual guru that Mario from Emmanuel could only ever dream of being. 100%. She is a sexual guru. Like, and I love all of the like weird fetishes that you like see in the film yeah my favorite is when she goes to the house with the guy and his wife like the rich guy and his wife and Mm. the wife wants to there's like a maid dressed up serving them and then the husband wants to have anal sex and then as soon (laughs) as they finish they like reject her and they're like and they're like he's he's like i don't want to talk to an ass fucker unless she has to leave and i think that's so interesting because they're like sort of completely in into it in the moment and then as soon as they're finished mm. they like completely cast to like other their desires completely that's right but she finds it funny and she laughs with her friend about it yeah she finds everything funny basically yeah she's got a really good attitude she does she does i could really learn a lot from her same like i think that i maybe need to have a picture of her up in my room or something so i can remember (laughs) to be like what would paprika do yeah is a a really good question to ask yourself she's a role model she really is and the best part about her is that she never sets out to dictate what other people are doing she that's the thing about her she's sort of an uh, maybe a reluctant 
guru in that sense. She's more of a shaman, actually, I would say. Yeah, it's true. She's sort of just like living her life and inspiring through her own actions rather than pontificating and proselytizing like Mario does. Yeah, 100%. Mario, who notably does not have sex exactly. In, on screen. Like, so that's really interesting. You know, the fact that he doesn't even fuck her after all yeah. of that. Like, oh, he's the worst. He's, such he's a the worst. Guy. Yeah, totally. Oh. oh my god, I love the way you describe Mima Paprika. Mima Paprika. <laughs> I really love her. She she sort of reminded me a lot of, I guess, in the time of the movie's release, nineteen ninety one, maybe a kind of like updated fantasy of Sophia Loren. Yes, definitely. Definitely. You know, I think she obviously was just... much more exaggerated. I don't know. Sophia Loren is pretty boom boom. <laughs> like, <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> my aspiration in life now is for my gravestone to read just boom boom. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it can say anything you want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was kind of intrigued, you know, by that journalist character. Oh yeah, that's a good one. That's a good that's a good little vignette. Yeah, it is, right? So like initially we see, you know, at the brothel a mysterious figure mm-hmm. and upon first glance you think, "Oh, it's a guy." You maybe just a very fine-boned guy. <laughs> but actually, it's it is a woman who's sort of in drag. And I, I have to say, I mean, I really do love it when women dress androgynously. Definitely. And she really had the body type to pull it off. For sure. As For well. sure. Like she had this quite androgynous body. Like, it was like quite long and slim. Yeah, lean and petite, right? So she mm-hmm. could pull it off. And she had she was wearing a fantastic outfit as well. Like, yeah. that suit. It's kind of David Bowie-like, actually. Very David Bowie. Mm-hmm. You're right. Very David Bowie. And when she sort of like gets together with Paprika in the room, Paprika is not at all like phased by that, that it was actually a woman. And she's so playful and she finds it funny. And there's all this curiosity about what, like, what do you girls get up to in here? You know? And I suppose in a way we're all like that reporter. We're all kind of like, you know, to borrow one of your favorite tropes, like we're all sort of almost like a detective looking for, intel about what really goes on in this place i thought that whole interaction was super charming and and cute it was really cute and the girl's so gorgeous i know she doesn't look like a porn actress at all like she looks like um like obviously that these porn actresses are so gorgeous but like Mm. she looks more kind of like a fashion model yeah she's not the look of a porn actress at all um i also Mm. really liked you know the scene where um she meets her love she like she's with like a young guy and they do that amazing dance yeah um, and then she sees her like a sort of on-off lover with it also with a prostitute and they like run off together I really like yeah. the prostitute that he was with who looked a little bit like it might be a man that's right was, like, so much makeup looked kind of like a drag like a drag queen yeah, it was like, oh, oh, is that? I mean, <laughs> what's going on? And then I didn't get to look at her long enough. I'd like to take screenshots of all of the sex workers in Paprika because they're also yeah. amazing. They were amazing, and they just get better and better as the film goes on. As she gets like more high class places. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> it's so much fun. It was like it was really like a joy ride. It really is. Like no matter what happens, like it doesn't. It's like she just. I don't know. Yeah, she's such a. She's a survivor, but not in like an annoying way. <laughs> like, no, not in a not in a kind of tragic way where she has to have like a, a very harrowing arc to earn her knowledge. Yeah, exactly. She's not like kind of. She's not really victimized. No, like, she's like, you know, she, things happen to her, but she's like innately not, resilient. Very resilient. Yeah, she just kind of bounces back. And I yeah. think I, I was, you know, I talked to Alex a lot about like what it is that makes things sort of, you know, like long term traumatic. And it's like, I don't know, he's sort of, we talk about the fact that you're kind of like, you're pre, you're sort of predisposed by your childhood or whatever to find something mm. to like feel responsible for the things that happen to you. Yeah. To a certain extent, it seems like she hasn't had a childhood because <laughs> she doesn't seem to feel like, responsible for anything that happens to her. She just kind of sorts out her problems and moves on, you know? Yeah. She's a great like navigator of life. Like she surfs out the tumultuous waves of life really well. Yeah, she really does. Oh, yeah. it's so wonderful. And it's just such a wonderful film. It really is. And it really it's a perfect pairing with Emmanuel, actually, because it resolves a lot of the crises of the first film. Yeah. In the way that Emmanuel, like, she, there's definitely, like, a lot of curiosity there. There's openness. There's a kind of naive innocence, but also, like, libidinal availability. Mm -hmm. But I think Emmanuel, maybe, at least in the first, you know, installment of the franchise... <laughs> She seems very impressionable. Yeah. And she takes on the taboos of her environment. She, I mean, ironically enough, she's supposed to be in this place where, like, it's no holds barred. And actually, she's absorbing a lot of the kind of made-up rules of her society. Mm -hmm. Whereas Paprika is, is not like that. No, she's not. Like, she's just, yeah, water off a duck's back. She just enjoys yeah. her time. And she gets her reward. Like I also love the scene yeah. where she like sneaks off to have to do anal with the butler or whatever. <laughs> and then the and then like my favorite thing is when the the um the count or the duke is she a duchess? Yeah, she is a countess, isn't she? Yeah, so he's she's a, a countess. countess. So when the count yeah. catches her or catches them, and he's like. Mm. And he like orders the butler to go away and he's like quick I haven't had a hard on for three years and then and I was just like oh my god I want someone to say that to me <laughs> like one day that's such the ultimate compliment the ultimate compliment that you can make someone's dick work again that's how sexy Paprika is and it's not just about her like looks it's about her, her, like who she innately is that she like she's so like free that she frees up other people's libidos too yeah <laughs> <sighs> She really is an angel. She's she an erotic angel. Ministering angel. She's yes, amazing. she is. I mean, I'm telling you, like, I love that scene about that confrontation with the family and the way that I was, I did not see that coming. Like the way that she's basically then stripped naked and like literally elevated on the table and the guy just worships her in yeah. full view of everyone. I mean, that's how you become a feminist ally. <laughs> Totally is. I mean, Tinto Brass, such a feminist ally. 100%. 100%. Like, and I know that's not, that's like, you, you look at those photos on Google, mm. I'm sure 
like that's not what he's like that's not what people will think these days <laughs> but he's wonderful these films are great i mean like now i feel like mm. i'm gonna find out that he's like did something absolutely terrible to someone <laughs> i don't know i haven't ever, I, I don't know i haven't seen the allegations no so, it would have come out by now i feel like it would or is he not famous enough for it to come out maybe it's only like, <laughs> website or something who knows who knows but yeah, this is such a feminist and amazing film, like in the true sense of the word. In the true in the- sense of the world. Yeah. I think this guy gets it. Oh my god, he totally does. Like, oh, it's so good. It's just so good. Like, as women, we are unfortunately made to feel a lot of shame and, and feel guilty about our desire. And to have a scene like that where it was coded initially as her being tarnished and accused and like derided but then to end with all of them looking stupid and her being so glorious I somehow want to like capture some of that spirit and like internalize it for myself yeah I think that's that's beautiful and I think you should we all should may the spirit of this movie (laughs) fuel my dreams (laughs) I hope so I think that's a lovely note to end on yeah, for sure. I yeah. really love this convo. I'm glad that you liked the film. I'm so glad. Loved it. I am so grateful to you because you've really, you. this is a gift, truly. Like, I, I feel so encouraged by it. So thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing next week? So the next one is actually Taboo. <laughs> so we're going back into the darker corners of sexuality. But actually, they're two fantastic films. Mm-hmm. Nine and a half weeks, maybe my favorite of this entire series. Oh, interesting. I have not seen this for a long time, so I'm going to be very interested to watch it again. Yeah, yeah. I'm obsessed with this movie. Like, it's not it's not a celebration. <laughs> there's a lot of, like, conflicts going on here. But there's something about it that really appeals to me and speaks to me. And we will also cover Itumama Tambien. Oh, I have not seen that film since I was a teenager. That's going to be a fun movie. <gasps> Yeah, it is. Oh. And do you want to know something, Sarah? When I met, when I first met Alex, your boyfriend, <laughs> uh, it, one of one of the first times that I ever heard him speak was he attended a, a class of mine at, at the Freud Museum, and he gave one of the finest interpretations of this movie to Mama Tanbian I've ever heard. <gasps> oh my God! No way! I'm gonna have to yeah. ask him. Yeah. Yeah, it blew my mind. And in that moment, I knew I need to fix this guy up with Sarah. (laughs) And then you did. And the rest is history. Oh, my God. Yeah, he does sometimes blow my mind with his interpretations. I've actually been watching a lot of these films with him. He hasn't watched the last two as me because he's been away. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we watched all the Verhoeven ones together. And it's been really interesting. Like, he's, you know, I listen to his takes. And then I talk to you about it. And then I report back what our take was. So, yeah, we've got a little third participant talking to us yeah. like uh, going on behind the scenes <laughs> yeah I, I feel like Alex is uh, an honorary third mic of projections podcast well, we should have him back on one day because um, yeah definitely that would be great if anyone's curious about Alex's takes you can listen to the Velvet Buzzsaw House of the Laughing Windows art horror mm. episode yeah. yeah well thank you everybody for listening this has been an absolute blast Thank you. If you enjoyed, please rate and review us. Thanks again, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Come on.